Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully, uh, you guys have had a great start to your week already. Come on. Easter was just this past weekend. And I don't know about you, but we had an incredible, incredible, incredible weekend this past weekend for Easter at Fusion Church. It was awesome and amazing, wonderful in every way. Um, yeah, man, we saw so many people's lives change. We saw so many people walk in through our doors that probably would have never walked in through another church. And so we are celebrating that and we're celebrating the resurrection life of Jesus. Come on. He's risen. And we don't have to uh, worry about that. We don't have to doubt it. We don't have to be afraid. He is risen. He is alive. He is well. And because of that, we get to celebrate in that resurrection life. Amen. All right. So tomorrow, tomorrow we have our hour of prayer and worship from 9 to 10 a.m. If you don't have anything to do, come out. And let's not forget this week baptisms come on baptisms we're so excited about baptisms we have already uh i believe miss diane reported we have oh 23 thank you diane 23 baptisms registered for this coming weekend come on let's celebrate what god is doing at fusion church 23 baptisms it's just amazing it's so amazing what god gets uh, is doing and so if you haven't been baptized and you'd like to get baptized make sure you register to get baptized uh, this coming Sunday. You still have time to do so. And uh, other than that, let's get right into it. Amen. We're going to be at on the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, chapter 24. And we've got 53 verses to get through. So let's do this. Before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that you're, you truly are risen, God, and there's resurrection life found in you. And so, God, we just thank you that you fulfilled the promise of your word to not only die for our sins, but to be raised up in new life, therefore granting us new life that we could live and walk in as well. God, help us to walk in the new life that you have provided for us. Help us to see you in everything that we do. Uh, and help us to glorify you in everything that we say, do, and live out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1. I'm reading in the NIV translation. NIV translation. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, uh, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while, you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the disciple to the apostles. Verse eleven. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. On the road to Emmaus, verse 13, not that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, when they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with which with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all the prophet, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us, within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, 
It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did uh, did not believe, believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you uh, what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Verse 50, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Amen. Amen. Let's give it a nice stretch. All right, get a sip of our coffee because Lord knows I'm still feeling the effects of this weekend. And then we're going to get right into it. All right. So Luke 24 is three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. And on the first day of the week, it says very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So the group of women are going to the tomb to prepare the body uh, of Jesus uh, because it was a rushed uh, ceremony. Obviously they crucified him, they beat him and they rushed him into a tomb. And so they decided let's go and prepare the body properly with spices uh, of Jesus with the spices. And so when they get to the tomb, the stone is rolled away. The body of Jesus is gone. Jesus is resurrected and they couldn't find the body of Jesus. And verse 4 says, while they were wondering about this, in the New King James Version, it says, as they were greatly perplexed, they were in shock and awe of what happened. It says, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. The women were greatly perplexed. In other words, they were confused. They had no idea what was going on. And they knew that Jesus said that he would rise again. But what this shows is that they truly did not expect to find an empty tomb. Right? I, I find it interesting that even though these women believed in Jesus, the question at the moment, in this moment, was whether or not they believed Jesus. Right? There's believing in Jesus, and then there's 
believing Jesus. There's believing in Jesus, and we'll see this throughout this whole chapter. And then there's believing the words, the truth, the, the, the power that Jesus has, right? It's interesting that although they believed in Jesus, it's three days after his crucifixion, I, they find themselves in a place where they are confused because it is unsure whether or not they believed Jesus, right? And so in this moment, they're greatly perplexed. The angels show up and they ask him a question. And it says that the angel said, the men said to them in verse five, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And as I read this and I studied this, it made me think of Pastor Brendan's message this week about how so many of us end up looking for life in all the dead places. We end up looking for life, the life that could only be provided in Jesus, in all the dead places. I thought of all the isms that Pastor Brendan shared in his Easter message, how we end up looking for life in religious traditionalism, in legalism, formalism, good deeds, relationships, materialisms, all these things we end up looking for life in, we end up looking for the life of Jesus in, and we end up coming up empty. We end up coming up perplexed. We wonder why we can't see the truth and experience the life that only Jesus could provide. And that is because too many of us go looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. And it ends up leaving us perplexed, confused, not being able to understand uh, why life is so difficult, not being able to understand why we can't experience the life that Jesus has for us. We will never be able to find Jesus among dead things. We could search in materialism and we won't find life there. We could search in traditionalism and we won't find life there. We could search in uh, trying to live a life of doing good things and striving and uh, religion and uh, living generously, whatever the case may be, we can search in all the wrong places and come up short every time. And so the question is, where are we trying to find life? Are we looking for life in all the dead places, right? I love that the response of the angel says, in verse 5, he says, Why do you look, among, look for the living among the dead? And in verse 6, he says, He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. In other words, remember the words of Jesus. Do you remember what he said? Do you remember the words that he had spoken? Do you remember the promises that he had spoken when he was living among you? Do you remember the words of Jesus? You see, everything changes for these women in this moment when they remember the words of God. It says in verse seven, in verse seven, the son of man must be delivered. And this is what they told him. Do you remember how he told you while he was still with you? That was verse six. In verse seven, he says, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. The critical word there, the crucial word is must, right? Jesus said this must happen. The cross was not plan B. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. The resurrection was not plan B. 
This is something that must have happened. It was supposed to happen. There was no other way for it to happen. He said, do you remember how he told you in verse six, while he was still with you in Galilee, verse seven, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be, or be raised again. And then it says, then they remembered his words. Everything changed for these women when they remembered his words. Things begin to come to become clear when you remember the words that God has spoken. Things begin to come clear to become clear when you reflect on the word of Jesus. All right. And so the angels. They give them the word and said, remember when Jesus said this? And, and when they said that in that moment, as they remembered the words of Jesus, everything became clear to them. And it says in verse nine, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the others with them who told his this to the apostles. Verse 11, but they did not believe the women. So the women come running back. We saw angels. We saw the empty tomb. The angel reminded us of God's word. And they're telling the apostle this. And none of them believed the women because their words, it says, seemed to them like nonsense. In the Greek, that phrase actually means uh, like, like fevered craziness. Like they were delirious. Like they had this crazy talk coming, coming out of them. But in verse 12. We see that Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what happened. So in this moment, Peter decides to run to the tomb, and in that tomb, he sees Jesus' linens and clothes and everything empty, just the linens just laying there, and still he doesn't believe. It just makes him more skeptical. Like, what could have happened? For three years, Jesus had been talking about this moment that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be, uh, that he was going to be uh, crucified, punished, brutally beaten, that that his body would be torn down, and that that he would resurrect again. For three years, Jesus had been teaching them and talking through this moment with them, but for some reason, in their darkest hour. They find themselves unsure of what's going on. And, and to be honest with you, that, that's the reality of so many of our lives. It's, it's easy to believe Jesus when, Jesus when we see Jesus, when we feel Jesus, when we hear Jesus speaking to us. But it's in our darkest moments where doubt begins to creep in and skepticism begins to creep in. And we become unsure of, of what the word of God really says. You know what I mean? And it says, you can know. It says. That Peter, wondering to himself, uh, left away, wondering to himself what had happened. But in verse 13, it says, now that same day, two of them, this is where it gets interesting. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things. As they talked and discussed these things, it says, uh, as they talked and discussed together, Jesus himself drew near and went 
with them, right? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. There's a couple of things here that stand out to me. Number one, they were discussing everything. They were talking and discussing with each other everything that had went down over the weekend, right? They were talking about everything that just went down with the crucifixion. And they're trying to make sense of it all. They're dialoguing about it. They're trying to figure out what it was that happened. Could you believe what happened this weekend? Could you believe that what happened over this Passover? This will be a Passover that we will never forget. It will be an event that will stick with us for the rest of our lives. They were not just talking about it, but they were discussing it. And the Greek word there used here means to question, to seek answers, to reason. They're trying to make sense of it all, right? And I'm sure uh, many could relate to this because there are so many of us that are still trying to make sense of it all today. Like, is Jesus truly resurrected? Like, could someone really die for for the sins of the world? You know, some people don't really understand how one man could pay the sins of the whole world. Some people really don't understand how uh, uh, someone could die and be resurrected. Was it an illusion? Was it fake? Was it real? Right? Some of us find ourselves trying to make sense of the suffering in the world. Some of us try to make sense of the fact that if he really is God, couldn't he just have prevented all of this? Right? And I could imagine these are the questions that they're talking about. Like, if, if Jesus really was God, could he have prevented all of this? Like, how does this make sense? How does this, how do we put this all together? And so many of us find ourselves in the same place when we're going through difficult times, trying to make sense of the horrific things that not only happen to us, but happen around us. And it is when they were trying to make sense of it all that Jesus shows up and draws near. And I just love this idea that that, that our questions don't push God away from us, but sometimes it's our questions that draw him near to us, right? It's sometimes it's not the questions that draw the doubts that draw God away from us. Sometimes our doubts, our very fears, our very questions, our very reasoning is what draws God near to us. And the fact that God is not scared of your uncertainty. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not scared of your doubt, and he's not scared of your reasoning. Sometimes it's the questions and the doubts that draw him to reveal himself to us, right? And he's willing to walk with us through the uncertainty. He's willing to walk with us through the uncertainty. I love it. Doug said, trying to use our humanity and naturalism to figure it out. You need to go to faith and put the super into your natural thinking. Come on, Nicole. Yeah, that's good. We need to use our faith and put the super to our natural thinking. A lot of times he is willing to walk with us through the uncertainty. And so Jesus draws near to these two unknown disciples and is walking with them. And it says, but they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. Although Jesus draws near and reveals himself to them, 
he supernaturally keeps them from being able to recognize him right away. And what I want, to, want us to understand in this is that just because we can't recognize him doesn't mean he isn't near. Just because we cannot recognize him doesn't mean he isn't near. Just because we don't see him, just because we don't feel him, just because we don't understand him doesn't mean that he isn't with us, right? Just because you don't recognize him doesn't mean he's not with you. I love that Jesus kind of butts into their conversation and makes himself look like this nosy stranger. I do this to my wife all the time when she's talking on the phone and I have no idea what she's talking about or who she's talking with. And I'm like, hey, what are you, what are you talking about? Who, who, who are you talking to? Who are you texting about? What's so funny? You know, and Jesus in this moment, it just seems like this nosy stranger who just rolls up into somebody's conversation. And uh, he says to them, uh, he, he asked them, what are you discussing together? What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast, right? These, these guys are full of sadness. And they say to him, it says in verse uh, 18, let me just get that right. <laughs> It says in verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. In verse 18, one of them named Cleopas, this is the first time we see their name, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I love that. Because they don't have any clue that they're talking to Jesus right now. They're totally oblivious that they're talking to the Messiah, the resurrected king. And he says, are you the only one who has no clue what just happened this weekend? In other words, are, are you living under a rock? How do you not know of everything going on and everything that has happened in Jerusalem, right? And he says to them, are, are, he says in verse 19, uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, because he asked them what things he asked in verse 19. About these, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Now, these were disciples of Jesus. They weren't part of the 12, but they were disciples of Jesus. And I find it interesting that he goes from being Lord, master, teacher, to he was a prophet. So they lost perspective of who Jesus was. Because they did not understand how Jesus could die for their sins on a cross. And they still remember, these are the disciples who believed Jesus was, was resurrected, who believed Jesus would redeem them, who believed Jesus was the savior of the world. But now, three days later, he's dead, supposedly in their eyes. He's dead in a tomb. Nobody knows where his body is. He's disappeared. So now Jesus goes from being Lord, master, teacher, son of God, to simply a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. I would just say, let's be careful not to allow our problems to change our perspective on who Jesus is. Let's be careful to not allow our problems to change our perspective on who Jesus is. 
Because what these guys did not understand is that this was not a mistake. This was not just something that happened and now God had to figure out a plan B. This was always God's plan A. This was always God's plan. And that's exactly what Jesus uh, makes clear to them in this moment, right? Look what happens. He said he was a prophet in verse 19. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. That's, that's huge. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. That's interesting because Jesus said, no one takes my life, I give it. But their perspective was they took him from us rather than Jesus saying, I gave myself for them, right? They took him from us, and the truth was Jesus gave himself for us. He says, and they crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the one. Interesting. They had hoped, meaning it was past tense. Have you found yourself in this, in this, type, of, uh, in this type of moment in your life? Where, where you you once believed, you once thought that he was that he was going to save. You once believed that he was going to move. You once believed that he was the Messiah. You once believed they had hope. In other words, it's one thing that they had prior, but they no longer have. They, they lost hope. We had hope that he was going to redeem us. We had hope that he was going to save us. We had hope that the, he was going to provide for us. We had hope that he was going to be the one to change everything. We had hoped that we really was going to live again. We had hoped that he would be the one who, who would endure the cross. We had hoped that there would be life. We had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. We lost our hope. We, we, we lost. Don't listen to me. Just because you don't understand what God is up to does not mean that you should lose hope. Don't lose hope because you do not understand. Don't lose hope because you do not understand. In this moment, his disciples said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In other words, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel, and three days three days later, we still don't see anything. Three days later, nothing has changed. Three days later, we're still full of sorrow. Three days later, we're still finding ourselves in doubt. Three days later, we have no idea what God is up to. Three days later, we have no indication of things changing. Three days later, here we are, wondering what God is going to do. Right. It says, and, and here it is. What is more? It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said to them, who said he was alive. Then in verse 24, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus. We saw an empty tomb, but we didn't see Jesus, right? Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all, the pro all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. I love that because what we see is now after they had said, hey, we've lost all hope. We had hope that Jesus was the Messiah. We had hope that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. And here we are three days later, and we still don't see anything. Jesus <laughs> confronts them in this moment. They still don't know it's Jesus. And he calls them foolish. And he says, how slow to believe all the prophets, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Don't you realize how necessary this was? Don't you realize you still don't get it that Jesus had to suffer, that Jesus had to hang on, had, had to hang on the cross, that Jesus had to hang on the cross because of the sin that was found in the world. If Jesus didn't, you would have to. If Jesus didn't have to do it, if Jesus didn't hang on the cross, then you would have to. Don't you realize that if Jesus didn't do it, you would have to do it. Don't you realize that? Don't you realize? Don't you get it? You see, the problem with humanity has a, is that problem is sin. Humanity has a problem and it's sin, right? Sin corrupts us. It plagues us. It separates us from God. And he says, don't you get it? And he begins to teach them from the book of Moses all throughout the, the prophets. The plan was always to die on a cross and to be resurrected. The plan was always to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world, right? It's not like the cross was a mishap or a hiccup. It's not like the cross was a mistake. It's not like a, 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 the cross was a wrench in all of God's plans, right? This was always the case. This was always something that God had to do. It's not like now God had to figure out a different way to bring about life and the resurrection. It's not like God had to come up with a plan B. No, it was always plan A, right? To sacrifice himself for the sake of those who could not save themselves. This is something you could have never been able to do on your own. And without Jesus dying on Friday, we would be destined to suffer the horrific wrath of God and suffer the penalty of our sins. Yet from the beginning, God set forth the plan to save us from that alone and from that sin and atone for our sins and restore us back into relationship with him. The, the cross of Jesus was always the plan, right? The cross of Jesus was always the plan. And as he begins to walk them through Moses, it's as if he's saying, don't you see it in the story of Moses? When the Egyptians had enslaved the people of Israel and they could not save themselves. And so I had to send a savior to deliver them right? Don't you see it in the words of the prophets? Don't you see it in the story of Abraham and his son? Don't you see it in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? 
all the way to Malachi. Don't you see that the plan was always to die and to resurrect? Don't you see that this was always the plan of God? And so he goes in verse 27, in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, staying with us, strongly stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went into in to stay with them. When he was eight at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. In that moment, when he breaks the bread, the very thing that he instructed his disciples to do in remembrance of him, right? All of a sudden, memories begin to flood their minds, and they begin to recognize Jesus. Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he'd be disappeared from their sight. I want to skip down to verse 36. While they were still talking about this, now these men, they left, dropped everything. After traveling seven miles to the city of Emmaus, they end up going back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles to let them know, hey, we have seen Jesus resurrected. And it says in verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself, himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And he says in verse 37, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and the bones and bones as you have, as you see, I have. In other words, I'm not a ghost. This is really me. It's really Jesus in the flesh, right? But verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He reminds them of the word that he had spoken, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And here's, what, here's our role to play in this, right? Here's the response of the resurrection that we should have. Our response to the resurrection is this. And repentance from forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what the Father has promised, the promise of the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Right? So. Here's the response. Here's what our response to, should be to the resurrection of Jesus. Our response to the resurrection of Jesus is to then go and share the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled his mission so that then we can go and fulfill the mission that he has given us to be witnesses of the truth of his resurrection, to be witnesses and to preach the message of repentance and the message of the gospel to all the nations. And so we all have been sent on mission, right? Jesus fulfilled his mission so that we could be sent on mission. Jesus fulfilled his mission so that we could be sent on mission. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you guys before we go.
Father, we just thank you. We thank you uh, for the resurrection life, God. We thank you that um, you're not afraid of our doubts. You're not afraid of our questions. God, that you draw near to us uh, in those moments, God. And so, Lord, I pray right now, uh, if any of us have any doubts, God, that your word will make clear to us that this was always your plan, that you don't need a plan B, that you are the God who is seated on the throne in control of it all. And God, your word will come to pass. We know it. We've seen it. God, you are the God who keeps his promises. And you surely did with the resurrection of Jesus. And so I just pray, God, that we would continue to walk in this resurrection life that you have given us. To live a life on mission. To be witnesses to the world of the resurrection life that could only be found in you. God, give us boldness and courage. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your spirit to fulfill the mission that you have given us, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to teach what you have taught, to teach those to obey your word, and to baptize people in your name. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.